I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's Romans 8.18. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, and I'm really looking forward to the next half hour to spend with you and our guest, Paul Sweats. Now, that name for some of you will sound familiar. Been, of course, a while now. But Paul has been a featured guest on the Mid-South Viewpoint program. But I don't know how long it's been, but it's been too long. Paul Sweats, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Byron. Thank you. It's good to talk with you. You were formerly Minister of Pastoral Care here in Memphis at Second Presbyterian Church. And I believe that's where I first met you. I think you were still on staff and had written a book and were doing ministry in the Memphis area. That is correct, yes. You and your wife, Janice, how long have you two been married now? It's been over, let me see, 55 years. <laughs> over 55. <laughs> that is wonderful. Are you in full retirement now, or are you still doing ministry? Well, I'm still doing some writing, but other than that, I am retired. Before we get into the conversation about this newest book you've written, I understand that you learned about caring ministry mainly from your father, William A. Sweats. I found this interesting. He served as Minister of Pastoral Care at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church at Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Now, the name Dr. D. James Kennedy comes to mind for me. Now, I don't know if Dr. Kennedy was senior pastor on staff there at Coral Ridge when your dad was at that time, was he? Yes, he was. That's where you spent some time growing up, I believe. Well, actually, that was after I was out of the house, but I was pastoring a church about an hour north of Fort Lauderdale and would go down to Coral Ridge many times to uh, be with my family there, my parents. Something else I found interesting that I don't think I knew this, Paul, about you, you have five sisters. You are the one boy. (laughs) I don't know where you place in those five sisters, but you're the only boy with five sisters growing up. Fortunately, I was the second uh, (laughs) oldest. So that helped. But you can imagine when we were all around the table, it was sometimes hard to get a word in edgewise. I think that that might have led me to do some study in communication. You majored in psychology. Could that be a, maybe another reason why you majored in psychology? Uh, it could be, yes. You attended yeah. Hope College in Holland, Michigan. I don't think I knew this either, but is Holland, Michigan your hometown? Well, my father was uh, a pastor and also a chaplain in the Navy. So our family moved around a great deal. It's hard to know what to call home. In 19 different places uh, before I got married. I lived in 19 different places. Now you're living back in Holland right now, I believe. We are. We love it. Holland is a great town, and we have Tulip Time Festival here. It's beautiful in the summer. Right now we have a lot of snow, but it is a great town. A lot of great people here, just like in Memphis. Well, we borrowed some of that snow from you this past week, you know, and Memphis was basically shut down for a week with the snow and ice that we had. Yeah, and cold temperatures, too. Hey, it's sunshine back here in Memphis. We've got 64 for a high today as we record our show. I think I'll take those warmer temperatures right now. That's something that we loved about Memphis, too. You know, you learn to adjust, and we have adjusted to the northern climate. We look for what is good in this location. 
Paul, it was during your junior year at Hope University there in Holland, Michigan, where you were majoring in psychology, as I mentioned, that you felt God was leading you to prepare for ministry. And so you attended Western Theological Seminary, also there in Holland, Michigan. You know, I resisted that call for for some time, not because I had a bad experience, my father being a pastor and so on, but I wanted to uh, really search as to what the Lord was calling me to do. I thought psychology would be a great path to help people, but the Lord made it clear that He's calling me into the ministry, and I'm so glad that I did respond to that call. have had some wonderful pastorates. Well, you mentioned the small church there in Florida that you were pastoring, and I believe that was the church you were at prior to coming to Second Presbyterian Church here in Memphis. That is correct. I was the senior minister of a small church there. The church, when I first came, it was all retired people. I had just come from the University of Michigan working with students. I thought after the first service, I saw all the gray heads, and (laughs) I thought, what have I done? But it was like the Lord was saying to me, you're going to need all the training that (laughs) that you had to deal with this flock. But it was a wonderful time, and uh, the church grew, and I really did not want to leave. They were fairly persistent at Second Press. They said, if you want to do the Lord's will, at least you should come and look at the ministry here and see what the options are. So I did that, and I am so pleased that our family was able to come and, and be there for 21 years. Now, was that when Sandy Wilson was the senior pastor at Second Press? Yes, but first John Richard DeWitt was senior pastor, and then after him, Sandy Wilson. As I mentioned, Paul, you've written this new book. It's called The Coming Glory, Hope Now for Life After Death. And you've dedicated your book to individuals and families who suffer the grief of impeding death and want true hope. And that sounds like that's something that we all need, and it's a book that we should all read. I think it is. When I was uh, working on doing the research and the biblical study for this book, uh, I was thrilled with the answers in Scripture because there's so much suffering and so much fear of death that we need to be refreshed and reminded of uh, what the Bible actually says. And what it does say is astonishing. Paul, you say in the book that life would be senseless, absurd, tragic if death were the final chapter of our story. We need truth, truth that draws us closer to the author of our faith and prepares us for the coming glory. Why does Christianity prepare us best for death? Well, because salvation is the key reason that Christ came to prepare us for life with Him. You know, Paul, since the Bible reveals a true future reality, glorious beyond compare, one would think that we would spend more time meditating upon these future revelations that the Scriptures speak about. Yes, Byron, and I don't know why we don't. I think that most of us, perhaps all of us, actually fear death, and we fear the the pain of uh, leaving family and friends and what we know. So I, I think that fear 
prevents us from investigating what the Scripture really does say about death and life after death. And yet, I'm living in a senior community right now. A lot of people here really do want to talk about it. They want to think about it. And I I think that that is uh, true, and research has been done on that, that people that are facing death, maybe because of an illness or something, they want to know what the Bible says. And they want to think and talk about death and life after. The Bible provides some great help and comfort in that regard. Well, in your ministry of pastoral care for so many years, Paul, uh, you've had the privilege of hearing the stories of hundreds of individuals and families in the midst of life and death crisis. What stands out to you most as a common thread, maybe, hearing all of these stories? I think that it's a, a combination of fear and confidence. I was so pleased uh, in working with so many families to um, see the evidence of faith uh, in in their lives. And uh, it was a calming influence. Uh, and so even if they were facing um, impending death, they were often very confident and assured that the Lord was with them, that the Lord had saved them, and that uh, when they died, they would be with the Lord. You know, the Bible speaks, Paul, of a peace that surpasses all understanding. And about two years ago, my father passed. You know, it was a difficult time when a parent passes. But I will never forget, there was an incredible peace that I had never experienced before the day of the funeral. Matter of fact, it was so much that I actually led my father's memorial service. We didn't have a a pastor, although he was involved with church. He served in in a church. But I felt the Lord wanted me. I woke up at 4 o'clock that morning with this amazing peace, and I felt like I should give my dad a farewell honor and and Uh message, you know, to those who attended to remember his life. But God gave me this incredible peace to do that. It is amazing when we talk about... Um, the comfort that uh, God gives us through His presence and through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a peace that does pass understanding. It's, it's hard to understand how we can have peace in the midst of such turmoil and loss. Speak a moment, if you will, Paul, about how God's gospel can move us from anxious despair to calm assurance and true hope. Well, that is the amazing um, point of the gospel, that it does take us from where we are in our sin and our suffering and our fears, anxieties. It gives us wholeness through Christ and salvation and uh, a peace that passes all understanding. Because Christ said that when we believe, we can be assured of eternal life when we believe in Him. Yes. Well, you know, we see in Scripture where the Apostle Paul, he often draws imagery from his love of sports, using metaphors from the Olympic Games, fighting, running, training, and winning. And Paul says, I have fought the good fight. He seems to understand our struggle for faith, especially critical when death looms, as we're talking about today. 
and when suffering, doubt, or temptation overwhelms us, maybe someone's listening to us right now who's been hurt in this fight or feels they've already lost the battle for faith. What hope do you offer? Well, the hope is in the gospel itself, in the fact that many who have gone before us have trusted in Christ and have shown the ability to persevere, even in the midst of uh, great problems. You know, I heard Larry King interview the late Dr. Billy Graham one time, and and he asked him, did you ever fear dying? And Dr. Graham was honest and said, there were a period of time I did. And I wondered, is my faith authentic that will carry me beyond this Uh life? And so that's a question that many have. How do I know that my confession of faith is authentic? I think we have to trust what the Scripture says and not trust our feelings uh, or emotions. Uh, It's the the Word of God that is the determining factor here. And so the Bible says that if we believe and confess Christ as Lord, we will be saved. I think we just need to accept that and build on it. Paul, I think it's so important that we do build on it, and the fact that there are people who have varying beliefs about what happens after death, but preparing for your departure without affirming your belief in Jesus Christ has serious eternal consequences. It does. I I was listening to a podcast by the Yale Divinity School, and they were interviewing a medical doctor who was working with COVID patients. And she said that one of the uh, patients spoke for many when she said, I don't know what I believe, and I am scared out of my mind. I am dying. So for those that are at that point of near death and do not believe, it is a very scary time. That's one of the reasons why I wrote The Coming Glory, because it offers uh, the path for assurance of salvation and that peace that we were talking about that passes all understanding. I love the way the book is laid out, Paul. You communicate in very simple terms, but terms, too, that people can relate to as you speak through the different chapters. Matter of fact, chapter 3 of your book reminds us that Christ's return is a key teaching of the New Testament. Matthew twenty four forty four states, You must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So how should we get ready for the return of Christ? First of all, we need to make sure that our own relationship to God is secure and authentic, and that it's, we're not just saying the words, but we really do trust in Christ. And then um, so much flows from that main foundation. We can relax and trust that our time is in God's hands, and we don't need to be afraid. Um, One of the things I found, uh, Byron, that that was helpful to me was um, to interiorize scripture that's a form of memorizing the scripture uh, but really reflecting on it and applying it to my own life 
So uh, now I, I take uh, walks uh, every day. Usually it's about 45 minutes. And uh, so that provides a, a great deal of time where I can just memorize scripture passages and repeat them over and over and uh, reflect on them. And that really does provide uh, a confidence and an assurance that I would not have otherwise. Paul, would you mind giving us your age now? <laughs> I'm going to be 80 in a, about a week. So you're really not too young or too old to memorize Scripture, <laughs> are we? <laughs> well, no, it, it's getting harder, but um, I find that it's worth it. Sometimes I, I don't remember it, uh, then to just read it and reflect on it yes. uh, works yeah. as well. Well, you say that Jesus taught four parables about being ready for his return in your book. Yes. One of the parables you speak about is the ten virgins anticipating attending the wedding. What does this parable teach us about being ready for Christ's return? I love those parables. Uh, Jesus taught in parables so often because they were visual uh, reminders of the truth of what he was uh, preaching and teaching. So the parable of the ten virgins, five of them were wise and did all the preparations that they needed to go to a, a wedding feast. But there were five that were foolish and did not have uh, adequate uh, preparation. So they were not able to attend the feast. So we need to be ready. That's the point of the, that parable. We need to be prepared. And we prepare by making sure that our own faith is secure, that it's true according to the Scripture, and that it is authentic. It's really a part of what we believe and who we are. Paul, I want to mention in your book you pay tribute to a couple of people that were influential in your life, one being Dr. Todd Billings, professor at Western Theological Seminary, that helped you reconsider the value of lament. How did he do that? Um, Todd is a very interesting and wonderful professor of uh, theology at Western, and uh, he has incurable cancer. At a very young age, like 40-something, he learned that. And so he began to study what the Scripture says about death and life after because of his condition and, and also how he should pray about it, what answers there were in Scripture. Uh, eventually turned to the book of Job. Job had been a good man but suffered uh, some uh, terrible tragedies. His friends that visited him tried their their best to comfort him, but uh, often they would say the wrong thing, and it was not of much comfort. Finally, Job goes and presents his case to God. It's as if God said to him, burn up your loins like a man, be tough-minded, and answer my question. Where were you when the heavens were created and the earth. Tell me if you have understanding. He goes on like that. And Job finally realizes that he doesn't know enough and he doesn't understand uh, the 
sovereignty of God. And so he, he submits himself to God, even without all that understanding. Sometimes we want to have all of our answers answered before we commit ourselves. But often that's not possible because there are many times when we just don't have the answer for why bad things happen to good people. Paul, that's a very sobering uh, and at the same time, very comforting thought to remember and to reflect on that very thought. Thanks for sharing that. Uh-huh. Uh, as a reflection at the end of one of the chapters in your book, you ask the reader, what do you imagine will be your response when you see the glory of God? Let me ask Paul Sweats right now. Paul, <laughs> what do you imagine will be your response when you see the glory of God? I don't know that I'll be able to say anything, but I will be lost in wonder and uh, praise, I think will be a glory beyond anything that we have imagined or experienced. We don't have the words. <laughs> we don't even can't even imagine. It's going to be incredible, though. Well, the yes. book is called The Coming Glory, Hope Now for Life After Death by Paul W. Sweats. Paul, uh, I believe that folks can contact you if they have questions about the new book and questions about our conversation today. It's a doctor dr dot sweats s w e t s at gmail dot com. If somebody wanted to contact you, is that okay to give that address? Oh, that'd be great. Yes, I would love to uh, hear from the people. Yes. Now, the book, The Coming Glory, can be purchased from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or Crosslink Publishing, and you can also go to the website thecomingglory.com, thecomingglory.com, and get your copy of this book. Uh, I don't like that the program ends, because (laughs) I would like to continue our conversation. You had a a seminary professor, too, Dr. Joseph Zeros, who was telling some very sad stories in class of how the communists invaded the university where he taught, tortured him. What was so stirring in your heart when he described those details? Do you remember that? I remember it clearly, and that was, you know, many, many years ago. But everyone in the class was spellbound by what he was saying. Dr. Zeros was such a humble man and uh, and godly man. So he was one that we all looked up to. And when he told uh, about the torture that he experienced, we were really sad. And then he stopped in the middle of his story, and he said, My dear Christian friends, you all look like horses. You have such long faces. <laughs> so, so he had a, a great sense of humor oh. as well. Well, you know, the Apostle Paul said that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That is uh, for sure. Paul Sweats, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you for what you continue to do at 80 years old for the kingdom of Christ through writing wonderful books, especially from the coming glory that's available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Crosslink Publishing. You can go, friend, to thecomingglory.com to get your copy. Thank you so much for reaching out to me, Paul. I really enjoyed our time together. Uh, Thank you, Byron. And may the Lord bless you and all those that are listening. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 
I have seen my last tomorrow. I am holding my last breath. Goodbye, sweet world of sorrow. My new life begins with death. I am standing on a mountain. I can hear the angel songs. I am reaching over Jordan. Take my hand, Lord, lead me home. Lord, lead me home.